Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And now on the World Service, exclusively by From Dial Square to Where, it's time for Mesut. Ireland. Discs. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. It's and now back, on the baby. World Service, Mesut exclusively by From Dial Square to Where, it's time for Mesut Ireland Discs. I'm back. What happened there? I don't know what happened there. So apologies for keeping you. I have no idea. That was one of the most bizarre minutes. I've got no idea. I didn't know if I needed to speak. I was just like, I was looking at Tom going. Do you know what? How do you cope? How do you cope with these videos? Mine never seem to work properly. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I apologise. I really do apologise. I was stuck, and I was thinking, oh my god, what's going on? Anyway, thanks for a silent episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know whether it played or not, or whether it got stuck or anything. But God, God, I'm gonna to have to just bin those off. I'll tell you, they're, they're too—they're not good for my heart. Anyway, as you can see, I've got some two great guests with me today. Uh, really grateful for you both to come on. First off is Tom from Lagoon Talk. Everyone's familiar with you, your work, Tom. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. Thank you ever so much for coming on. 
no problem. I think you flatter me a bit by saying everyone. <laughs> but uh, well, no, you know, you're you one of the. Oh, absolutely! I'm sure you're one of everyone's favourites, Tom, and uh, definitely one of mine. Um, Cheers, mate. Love you, love your channel. It's fantastic, and uh, the work you've been doing on that is incredible. So I urge everyone to go over and uh, have a look at the Goonie Talk uh, YouTube channel, and uh, obviously you work on the 101 Great Greatest Goals as well. Yeah, that's that's now my day job, which is nice. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely fantastic and well deserved. And Johnny, Johnny Cochran, how are you? Thank you ever so much for coming on. Oh, very pleased to do it. Very pleased to do it. Um, yeah, I'm maybe a less familiar face, but you know, a, a oh, charmed yeah. face, a charmed face for being here with you, <laughs> wonderful gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you are, obviously you're being a bit uh, coy there, but I'm sure a lot of people have seen you on the the Arsenal Nation show, uh, sort of pre pre show, uh, pre match show, isn't it? Uh, that you're on regularly, yeah, and the podcast, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, host of the um, well, co-host of the official Arsenal Nation podcast, but um, yeah, very much a kind of bit of a regular on the Arsenal Nation live broadcast as well, but. Obviously, uh, sign of the times, really. Those shows have ceased to kind mm. of maintain for obvious reasons by the fact that there were no fans in the stadium. So having yeah. a couple of us sat there going, oh, God, they probably... <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we, they realise we're, we're nothing without the fans. So, um, yeah, apparently uh, this is the new way of doing it, really, remotely, watching Arsenal in your front room once again and enjoying it from there and not getting up close like the rest of us. Well, I, I'm glad you're enjoying it at the moment. Um, not a lot of people are. But uh, <laughs> less, <laughs> less, less, of a, less said about that, the better at the moment. But um, how come you're not doing the podcast? You can, surely you can continue the podcast, though, Johnny. That was, a, you know, it was really good to listen to. Can't you do that remotely or...? Um, there are a few reasons why that is not currently happening anyway, but I mean, like some okay. of it is down okay. to, yeah, uh, basically with regards to that at the moment, I think there were conversations that needed to be had around it anyway. So don't yeah. see that happening at the moment, regardless. Okay. Um, and it just kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But right now. You know, the football world seems to be moving a bit differently anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Well, I look forward to it coming back anyway at some point, and uh, it's a good show. So this is Mesa Island Discs. It's got, well, clearly got nothing to do with Desert Island Discs. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no rip-off whatsoever. But, um, yeah, I got the idea for this initially when I first listened to the Ian Wright episode of Desert Island Discs, and which was fantastic. I don't know you guys. Uh, heard that one. I've heard great things actually, and I keep meaning to to listen to the Tony Adams one as well. Apparently, that's a, an exceptional episode as well of Desert Island Discs. But this is obviously an Arsenal-based version, and uh, we're going through a few uh, goal, goals, gains, etc. of uh, days gone by that are really so important to you guys uh, more than anything. And uh, it's a good trip down memory lane. It's always been a good uh, good fun to do. Uh, first question is, whilst you are stranded on this desert island, is uh, you have one goal that you would never get tired of watching, that you can watch any time you liked. I'll go to you first, Tom. Which goal have you chosen and, and why that you would take with you to the desert island? So I picked uh, Henri's goal against Leeds. Um, oh, wow, well, yeah. 
that that goal was I mean I'm 25 so my years of watching Thierry Henry were in very young years of my life um, and so I never really got to appreciate those goals necessarily as well as maybe a lot of people older than me did and so when he came back I was of more of an age where I knew quite a bit more about football and I understood a lot more about the game and to take that goal in when it went in was just unbelievably it was poignant it was kind of set up in the moment because it was nil nil at the time um struggling as we did uh, against uh, a lower opposition <laughs> side and uh, and yeah Henri turned up and and did a classic finesse shot into the far corner on the left side of the goal and it was just mm. the most archetypal um Henri goal that you'll ever see and for me I could just yeah happily watch that back over and over again yeah, yeah. What a, yeah, great choice. You can see me smiling there, Tom. Um, <laughs> the way you're talking about it really chimes yeah. with my heart. Um, in terms of sentimentality, I think that that's a very, very strong choice because for me, Thierry, unashamedly, is my favourite player of all time. Love to watch him. I thought he encapsulated peak Arsenal when we were something else and it made mm. me... You know, I'm a little bit older than you, so just a little bit, casting agent, just a little bit older. Um, but um, I probably was remembering, I was at an age where I knew what was going on and those goals were meaning stuff to me. And just to think back at that time when Thierry was in his full pomp, and I remember having game weeks where we'd have tough teams like Leeds at the time and whatnot. And um, I used to think, we'll win today. Every week. Yeah, we'll win today. And I just mm. knew it. I knew we would win and we would win. And some of the performances were like, oh, you know, and it's the classic saying, you don't know what it's got till it's gone. But right now you look at um, peak Henri and that really sums up, you know, when Arsenal were in their full pomp. And I think the goal that I've gone for, whilst I love the sentimentality of um, your choice, was a moment that I, I feel encapsulated when Henri went to that next level and took, not on his own, but it, it um, was a, a demonstration that Arsenal had moved to the next level, which is when he scored the goal against Fabian Barthez and United. Uh, oh, yeah. Ivory, flicking it up. And now this was a period where Henri had come through and we had just sold an Elka and I wasn't really, still wasn't sure how uh, I felt about it. They were like, oh, we're getting Henri in. I thought Henri might not work out. And Elka looked like the main man at that point. And he started really slowly, obviously, as we'd all remember in the season. But at that point, he just started knocking a few goals in. And I remember almost having that look like, oh, yeah, what are you doing over there, Thierry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then in that game, for him to receive the ball like that, flick it up, whack. In a, I, I just never see, I couldn't remember at that point seeing anything like it. I know right, he scored some amazing goals, but this was the biggest moment that Henri could have turned up in till that point. And for him to le- deliver in that kind of fashion was absolutely sensational. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I don't remember seeing another goal like that still, though, to be perfectly honest, Johnny. I got, when a similar type of goal, I can't think of one. It no, but when you, when you think about the kind of gadget goals, you might think about like a Dennis Burkamp against Newcastle, for instance, where it's just, mm. it's magic. It's... Ball into you, round the corner and whack, and they don't even know what's happened. So there are other goals that have that mystique about them. But for me, this was the big game. This was when you had to knock United, a very good United, off their pedestal 
So for him to do it in that game, to have a player turning up in the biggest game and being a difference, felt like new territory for us at that point. And yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, exactly. And do you know what? It may sound really weird, but don't you maybe slightly agree with the, with the fans? Thierry Henry is, is slightly underrated. <laughs> and what I mean by that is his brilliance was just taken for granted. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like he's the all-time leading goal scorer of Arsenal. And yet, you know, do is he, is he still, you know, quite fully valued? It's, just, it's almost like all his goals and everything that he did and his brilliance is almost underrated by, by some people. I, I, I'm finding it hard to explain, but I find it's like that sometimes where, I, I understand. you know, some people I I understand just... what you're saying. Um, because yeah, he's just incredible, incredible player. I think I think there's a lot around Arsenal at the moment. There's kind of a lot of it's, it's a bit of expectation about Arsenal, and that's why you kind of mm. see the the rhetoric that you do on social media is that Arsenal should be doing a lot better. When actually, I think it's more of Arsenal mm. could be doing a lot better than they currently are. And Omri was when Anelka went, and I know I spoke earlier about um, not being obviously old enough to appreciate the goal. But when you do become old enough, you feel like it's almost a rite of passage to go back and and educate yourself on what happened previously. So when Anelka did go, and there was this kind of whole thing about who is going to take on that, because we thought we were kind of set for the next ten years with Anelka, um, and so when he left, evidently prematurely, still I think many people think quite rightly. Um, mm. that this guy was going to come in and when he didn't really kind of pick up pace in the first few games, wasn't scoring, there was kind of all these questions surrounding him. And as you say, then he did start to pick up. And then that goal was kind of, as as Johnny said, that key turning point and that key moment of this is Omri and, and this is the player that we're going to have for the next however, however many years to then become an Arsenal legend. And But I get what you're saying, Andrew. I think that there is an element about him that's, that's underrated <coughs> for sure. I think the issue with Henri, uh, sorry, Andrew, um, the, the issue with Henri, and again, I say this by openly uh, prefacing it with, he is my favourite player of all time, uh, genuinely as near to a an idol as I have in the world. And, you know, yeah, he just plays football, but I love this guy. He's amazing. Mm. Um, but ultimately, there will always be the critique when it comes to on-the-pitch performances, when it came to big game finals, like, uh, and and I, it, it's tough for me to say that, but it is true. Because when you think about, for me, which was our biggest game of all time, which was the Champions League final, we were so close to winning it. And I know there was a lot going on in that game, uh, layman, red card, etc. But ultimately, I think those of us that you know remember the game well will remember that moment when Henri ran through, we were 1-0 up and we were down to 10 men. And it's like, who would you want on your team to have that chance one-on-one with a keeper, no one else, and you've got to tuck that away? Because if you do, we mm. win the Champions League. We would have hung on then. And he missed it. And and there was another game when we had Galatasaray in the Europa League final as well. Yeah. It was a game that we kind of got through for the back, back door, a tournament, sorry. So we weren't as invested in it. But still, Henri had another stinker that day. And there were a few games in big moments. When you compare that, and I don't, I don't think he's as good as Henri, as I've mentioned, but Drogba, for instance, his record in massive games, that was almost his selling point. I perform mm-hmm. where, when, when, the, when the medals get handed out, that's where I am. Whereas Henri sometimes didn't grab the game by the scruff of the neck when he, when he would do it so many times for Arsenal in other big moments for us. 
Yeah, I, I've thought of an analogy as well. It's like when you're watching one of the shows on TV that you have to vote people out. Like, you know, I'm a celebrity, I think it's just started, hasn't it? And Or Strictly or whatever. And there's a, a clear favourite who's better than any of the other contestants. And people don't vote for them because they think they're going to be all right. Do you know what I mean? And, and so they, yeah. they actually end up get, shockingly getting voted out because people haven't voted because they just assume that they're going to go through anyway. That's the, that's the best analogy I can think of sometimes when you when I think about Arsenal fans and Thierry Henry as well because it's taken for granted that he's one of the best players. Well, he's the best player we've ever had in our yeah. history and probably the best player the Premier League's ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's where I'm coming from. Where, where, I, where I, I also think... I also think, Andrew, that there's a, a um, quest in like modern culture to be a little bit alternative and you know counterculture with regards to your picks. Mm. So, yeah. you know, it's an easy choice to say Henri, but it's a bit more bohemian and nice to say Dennis Burkamp, who was absolute class. Or, or why don't we pull out mm. Tony Adams and you know he he embodies mm. what he means to in terms of embodying leadership. exactly, yeah. Whereas reality is, is when it really comes down to it, Henri was our best player. You can just look at numbers, yeah. you can look at the way he performed. You know, but you say underrated, he's got a statue outside the stadium. So, <laughs> exactly. Know. It's mad. That's what I said. But I prefaced it with it's mad thing to say, and it's really weird. And, I, you know, for him to, to say he's underrated, it's just the fact that he's, I just don't know, I don't remember there. He's fully appreciated at the time. And now, because he's the greatest footballer, like I said, probably the Premier League's ever seen, arguably, uh, let alone Arsenal. It's just, mm. I don't know, he's just overlooked because it's like, oh, that's Thierry Henry. Everyone knows about Thierry Henry. So he's not mentioned as much as some other players, maybe. But yeah, anyway, it's a weird one. But let's move on to the second thing that you can take with you. And it's an Arsenal game um, that you could turn to whenever you liked. Uh, while stranded on Island Mesut. Um Which one have you gone for, Tom, that you would like to take with you? Uh, I chose Arsenal's FA Cup win against Hull City um, as mm. my pick, which, yeah. again, another one to show my younger age. But it was, for me... Making me jealous. Those... <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's... I was at university my first year uh, in this game. And so... Everyone I lived with weren't, weren't Arsenal fans. Everyone in the block of, of flats that I lived with was not <laughs> Arsenal fans. And I dragged a good 15 people to a Weatherspoons that were showing it. Um, <laughs> and you can imagine the look on their faces as we go 2-0 down against Hull mm. City right at the start of the game. And I'm sitting there just <laughs> on the verge of tears at this point. <laughs> and because we've waited so long uh, for a trophy mm. to happen. I mean, being that age, I, it was folklore trophies. <laughs> like, we just really hadn't really yeah. settled in my mind that Arsenal could do that because I'd sat through so many years of nearlies and, and League Cup finals that hadn't happened. And it was just when that Ramsey goal went in was the kind of the biggest release of stress and anxiety of an Arsenal fan that I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, and there's been some great games that we've witnessed, but 
just the whole and, and with that one you get 120 minutes as well not just 90 so and the fact it happened mm. in the fact that Yaya Sonogo was part of it as well <laughs> like, even that yeah, itself yeah and and Giroud's back heel for the Ramsey goal like and I'd look at Giroud Beautiful. as you were talking about Henri is underrated but I look at Giroud as one of the most underrated players Arsenal ever had so yeah that yeah. in itself and Ramsey I'd love Ramsey and the fact that he, he won us two FA Cup finals as well was great but yeah I, I could watch that game forever yeah, a great choice. I mean, yeah, don't forget as well, we're nearly 3 0 down. We're just like really close <laughs> to being 3 0 down as well, which is utterly mad, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was really strange, though. I can remember vividly thinking that even that start we had in that match, I, I, I was still quite calm. I really, I genuinely, and I can't understand why, because I'm quite a nervous watcher. I'm, my, I'm usually got my fingers down to stumps when I'm watching like Arsenal because I'm chewing me fingernails and stuff. Can't help myself. And uh, I just imagine, I remember thinking, no, 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 we, we've definitely got time. We are, we've got to win this game. And yeah, it was just just a fantastic ending. Well, I mean, it was so, top yeah. fifty, so you know, yeah, I know. You see it there, and you're like, Steve this is Bruce. Bruce. If we can't beat Hull, then we shouldn't. We don't deserve any of this. Like. It was, it was a great game and mm. a very much a landmark moment for us because, like you say, so many nearly run moments. But yeah. ultimately, going 2-0 mm. down at that point, you've got to look around because I was having big issues with Wenger at that point as well. But you had to look around that squad and go, despite the way things are being managed here, some of you players need to take responsibility. This is Hull. You don't even need a world-class manager to beat Hull. Like, step up. And it was... Sanity in the end, you know, like pe- people just stepping up and going, actually, I'm better than these guys and uh, turning it on. And it was yeah. it was a wonderful release, wonderful release when we finally came through. And a, and a really, really underrated goal as a, as a cup final goal, Santi Cazorla's free kick. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, not spoke, that's not spoken about enough. I mean, that was an absolutely outstanding goal, wasn't it? You know, well, that's a moment brilliant. of magic where you literally separate yourself from the... The, the the players who are looking around, you know, for someone to lead them. And then he picks the ball up. Yeah. He might not be big in stature, but he was big in terms of what he represented and just oh, went, whack, hot. there you go, mate, top corner. Now everyone get their act together. You know what I mean? It was lovely to he watch. Did, he didn't even properly sort of celebrate, did he, really? Just, I just remember him kick, kissing his wrist, I think it was, and just going, you know, just running back. And, yeah, get I mean, ball, what a guy. Like you said, small of stature, but massive of heart, that guy, and skill and uh, technical ability. What a brilliant player he was. So, yeah, great choice, Tom. And what's yours, Johnny? Um, so I diced up between two with this. Now, um, mine is kind of harking back to the whole um, issue that Tom's been referring to um, throughout the uh, show about what age you were at when you were viewing these things. Now, I'd obviously say 89 for a game, yeah. you know, as an Arsenal fan to watch. Mm. Of course, it is, it's a it's a movie script. So why wouldn't you? And to have that beautiful ending with Michael Sel- Michael Thomas doing the salmon flip after scoring. Yeah. An expression <laughs> of pure jubilation. Like It's literally like he couldn't even program his own body to work anymore. He was just like, just be happy. And he went, uh, and it was just <laughs> great to watch. But um, because I was like five years old, and if I'm honest, not really even watching football that much at that point, I don't feel like I could necessarily have that game because whilst it is the greatest game in Arsenal's history, it didn't have the same effect for me because I didn't watch it at the right period of my life. 
So yeah. the game that I watched, um, it wasn't even a cup final. It was a moment where I saw what I believed our fates turning in terms of us moving into a different category of European club, world club. And that was the night we beat Barcelona 2-1 at the Emirates. And mm. when they came to town, you are talking about the greatest club side ever assembled. That's, that's how I see it. You know, with the best player of all time as well in town. And for us to set up shop with a young Jack Wilshire in the middle, Seth Fabregas, who'd been leading us like valiantly all throughout the season, Samir Nasri, and we had the little Russian magician as well at that point <laughs> um, to offer, because, you know, Andre Shavin stopped just a couple of years before. He was like the hottest player in Europe. And at that point, like you could not say, and we had Van Persie up front. And that, you know, I mean, like when you look at a team like that now and look at perhaps where we are currently, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wow. Like, I mean, we were spoiled for choices when it comes to creativity. You know, there was just so many creative players trying to do the same thing. Now, we can't can't find one for loving the money. <laughs> we were um, laughed at. We had so many, weren't we? We kept buying, collecting, like, really technical tools, small though. number 10s. And yeah. Exactly. Like we, we used about. all our allocation for, to, for the, the years uh, up to 2100 and we used them all up in the first 20 years uh, and now we're uh, getting on to the next era but no for that moment when that I was so impressed with the OA Arsenal when about that game the highest level to say playing against Iniesta Xavi uh, you know real classy operators I thought it was the best game of Jack Wilshere's life and one of the best midfield performances I've ever seen anyone put in mm-hmm. because he was mm-hmm. rocking with them in that game he wasn't you know, making up numbers. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. And for, to, for it to end in that way against a team that, you know, was legitimately in their stride and is the best club team, and to end with a wonderful little um, break-their-hearts moment from Andre Arshavin, well, you just got to say that that had me bouncing off my chair. I was absolutely yeah, mine. Absolutely brilliant moment. What a moment it was, yeah. It was, I mean, it, funnily enough, I mean, all the hair standing up on my arms, I think, just thinking about that moment when, it, when the ball <laughs> hit the back of the net. Incredible, yeah. Really, really good choice again. So, I, well, I think one of the things, Andrew, with that as well is when you think about a goal, sometimes with those moments when you watch them back and you know what's about to happen, so when you see that ball in the replay, when that ball comes in, you know our Shavin's going to be running in. It's that moment of anticipation which makes yeah. it so amazing. Like, and that's why I think that game at least <laughs> it draws emotions out of me that has to make me include it. Yeah, definitely. No, it's a great choice. And Russ uh, Morgan, thanks for watching, Russ. He's put that his favourite goal of Thierry Henry was... His solo effort against Liverpool in 2004. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's a brilliant goal as well. I mean, and the solo effort against Spurs. I mean, you could go on and on, couldn't you, about Thierry Henry's goals? Again, oh, yeah. sport for choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, he said, Thierry, Thierry isn't exactly a cult hero as he's the best. That's why people tend to just overlook him a bit, which is what you're trying to explain. It's, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I think that's basically it. Now, in the next one is a game that you would like to just delete from history. It's a game that you would like to send to hell, Room 101, if you will, as well, that you would just 
get rid of before you actually end up on Mesa Island. Um, I don't so see what's how your any one Arsenal of those, fan Tom? could choose. I don't see how any Arsenal fan could choose anything else, to be honest. I'll be interested to see if Johnny matches me. I have a temptation, I feel like he will. Um, I, I've picked Paris because it's just the, the obvious. Like I, I just think that... There is an argument to say that Arsenal being in a Champions League final is something that you should cherish and something that, whether no matter the result, is great. Lis- listening to Arsene Wenger speak in his book about that um, kind of solidified that choice for me as well. Like the, the pure pain of that result. Um, I was tempted to, to write off the, the semi-final against Manchester United um, because of just... It was just I just felt we threw that away, um, and we were utterly just utterly overblown by United in that game as well. Um, but I just the, there's so much pain I associate with that game that carries on to arguments with rival fans and especially Chelsea fans that have the cheek to talk about the worst Champions League side to ever win the competition. Um, <laughs> to, it just really rubs me up the wrong way when Chelsea and, uh, fans talk about the Champions under League. a crap um, caretaker manager. And so I just, it's an interesting one. When you say when you wipe that game from history, it, you, there's two schools of thought, I suppose, when you can either say you're wiping it, it never existed, or you're saying that, do we wish there could have been, or you could rerun it and have a different result. And I suppose that that might mm. make up your choice, but I've chosen that um, because it's just, it is the most painful memory as an Arsenal fan that I've got. So I think it would make sense <laughs> for me to wipe it. It basically... Yeah, what 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 I try and mean by this, this choice is so that you haven't ever, you haven't got to feel that pain about that game anymore. You know, it's like it never because yeah. it never existed. You know, you, you, it's not there. But do you know why I would I would differ and I don't choose that one? It's because a I was so so proud of the team at that point to get get there, which sounds a bit cheesy, I know, but but also that moment when Sol Campbell scored was a moment of pure, uh, probably one of the happiest and most exhilarating I've felt, you know, <laughs> for, uh, during an Arsenal game as well, which um, I yeah. wouldn't want to lose either. But I totally, uh, I mean, obviously I ain't got to explain why I, I, to- I understand and agree that it was so painful. But the fact that we got there and I was so proud of them at the time and uh, they didn't let us down. Just, I know that Thierry Henry missed that chance, as you talked about earlier, Johnny. He was dead on his legs, if you remember. He literally was absolutely knackered. In, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, there's good, yeah there's, good, there's good points about the game, which is what I'm trying to say, that I, I still think fondly of. As yeah. well as having that pain, so that's why you know I'd go a bit different. But what's yours, Johnny? Um, well, I, I agree with you in terms of Paris. Um, I think there was, you know, the scorpion skin and sting in the tail, but ultimately, it's still our greatest performance ever in the Champions League. So I wouldn't, mm, you know, yeah. I know you've almost acknowledged that, Tom, in your answer, but I certainly wouldn't strike it from history because. Until we can say that we've won one, that's the best we've ever mm, done in the Champions true. League. Yeah. And and mm, the other thing mm. about it is is the level of opponent. So we we lost yeah. valiantly that day, like you know, to a very very good team. Um, and you know, there's no shame to lose to Barcelona, even you know, um, at full strength. But to do it like that and to nearly get over the line, like I didn't f- feel any shame that day, just disappointment. 
You're better um, than a therapist I hired afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably cheaper as well. Uh, yeah. um, but in terms of game for me, um, it's you know it's interesting that you've gone down, Tom. But for me, it's a, a, a quite obvious one. It's Manchester United eight two. Yeah, it's that, mine. That, even to say that out loud, it upsets me. Mm. I, I will never. And, and to be fair, you know. There were a lot of things that we would thank Fenger for and look back well on his legacy. I will never forgive him for that game. That was absolutely <laughs> appalling. Like the yeah. standard, and he has to take he has to take responsibility for it. Of course, the players as well. But when you're a manager, there are times where you can put the brakes on and just say, "This is full on." I mean, don't get me wrong. Wenger gave us treated us to some horrific beatings over like a three or four year <laughs> period. It was just really, really hard to watch. But at 8-2, you know, you're going into the game. This is what used to hurt the most as an Arsenal fan. When when commentators and, you know, professionals are saying, oh, Arsenal might have a chance this year. So putting us on a kind of even parity with United, these people we're going to face. So you're expecting, at the worst, you're going to get a 2-0 defeat, 3-0 defeat. Oh, that was a bit of a chastening experience. 8-2, are you kidding me? Are you absolutely <laughs> kidding me? Getting smacked up like that. What is going on with you guys? Like, it's shameful. Yeah. How have we even got that in, a, in our history books, in our annuals? We have to have that written 8-2. In modern times, it's an absolute disgrace. Honestly, I, 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 I haven't got over that. And I mean, I've got United. Like they, when, when you have United friends, who don't even want to take the piss after because it's just full on like it's an embarrassment. That is something else, you know. And I had mates who were just like, I don't even know where to start with a banter. That is bad. <laughs> you know, so. Change my answer. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm may, convinced. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, oh. I, I, when I did my choices at the beginning of this uh, Mesa Island this series, that was mine as well. And I, I can't ever get over that either. And I think the day. That happened, a bit of Arsenal died, you know, and we haven't been the same since. And I think the same thing with Wenger. Again and again and again. Yeah, I just, honestly, I think Wenger lost something that day as well. The whole club did. I think it was, there was, it was a categorical line in the sand of our rivalry with Man United being categorically over. Although it had been for a few years, but there was no more. That It had gone. And it was just, it felt like, uh, uh, like, you, like you said, Johnny, I haven't got over it yet, and I still haven't. I'm getting angry now, honestly. It, it was like I was punching the stomach that day and, you know, winded. It was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. It was so embarrassing, considering all the, the great battles we had against them in years yeah. gone by and beating them in, you know, the tunnel and, you know, the, oh, no. I, 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 if I could get rid of one, it's definitely... That there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, I mean, part of it as well when we talk about you know Wenger's role in it. Um, you know, what I was kind of getting at before is, as a manager, there has to be things you can do when things are getting so out of hand. You know, at five one, you know that's a horrible. Mm. No one's sleeping that night. You know, it, it's extra shifts the next day. But surely you just go no more goals, no more mm. goals. This is ridiculous. Everyone behind the ball. It's an awful game. No one's going to be sending me flowers after this. I won't get absolutely, you know, ravaged. But he didn't. He just let them keep... And that is just... Eight goals. I mean, it's so bad. 
the excuse a lot of the time is that we were, I mean, we were seriously ravaged by injury that day. And that, the team we put out, if you have a look back at the lineup, it's, it's horrific. You shouldn't be anywhere near an Arsenal team. However, the fact that we weren't buying enough players at that particular point and replenishing, like, getting some defenders and getting a, a strong midfielder, like we we were waiting for donkey's years to, to replace, you know, Vieira and, uh, you know, get a good... That's his fault as well, you know. So we can't take anything away from from Benga that day. And there was no fight. There was no pride or back, you know, battling sort of uh, will to at least go out and injure some people. You know, say, look, I'm not taking no more. Like you said, didn't I think we missed the penalty as well, didn't we? At two uh, one down, yeah. um, I seem to remember. I think Van yeah. Persie missed the penalty at that um, point. We were. Uh, you know, trying, oh, we were trying to uh, give a game of it at that point. This is what I mean. I mean, it turned around in one half as well. That just completely mm. got away from us. And that, for me, kind of encapsulated, uh, we might touch on this in one of the future questions, but um, that moment where Wenger really lost the mental side of the game, the mentality had gone from him and then later into a succession of his teams. He exposed a mental fragility within himself that was always there like a thumbprint uh, on his teams that in big moments they would crumble. And that went all the way through till the cup final we were talking about before. I mean, we're talking, you know, over Femi Martins in a League Cup final. Like, how can you how can you lose that game and stuff? And and for me, that was the moment like around the 8-2 where it started to the shine started to come away. When I talked about earlier about it was a wonderful period with the, you know, in the Henri peak years where every team you were playing, you knew, oh, we'll do these, we'll do these. At that point, it started to become, I don't know what we're getting each week. So, no, no. you know. Well, I hate to think about that. So we're going to move <laughs> on from that one. Uh, sorry for that. That's terrible. Actually, terrible. I do apologise. Right. Next category is actually um, going into the musical side of things of the, the desert island. It's a song. And Tom... Um, I like to sort of try and sort of say, try and think of the whole Benga era as as a whole, really, because it's a lot of people, yeah. you know, cut it down into two, you know, a half or even third sometimes. So, yeah, when you think back to the Benga era, what song, you know, best encapsulates that for you, the way you feel about it? I have to say that the whole concept of basing things off a song is genuinely one of the hardest things I've ever <laughs> Mm. to do I think and and put it together um and I've gone I've gone down the route of I chose September by Earth Wind and Fire um based on the two famous lines from the song saying do you remember Mm. the 21st night of September now the 21st of September if people remember is the day that we drew nil nil at Old Trafford in 2003 (laughs) Um, mm. This is the level that I went to. <laughs> wow, bloody um, hell! That's 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 incredible, impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it was more so. I really liked the song, and so I was just trying to find a way. To um, but yeah. the, but going going through that analytic, I mean, I always overanalyze things on the channel, as you know. But in looking at that, those words of like, firstly about remembering what he did. And, and looking at that game specifically. And, and that game symbolises in itself, I think, a lot of Wenger's era, which was just stubbornness. And Arsenal were not going to lose that game to the point where even 
the frame of the goal <laughs> was going to prevent us from <laughs> losing that game. And that in itself was kind of bleeds into the stubbornness of, of Wenger remaining at the club as long as that he did. Um, and it's, it's still a very cheerful song and there's a lot of really like happy times to look back on under Arsene Wenger. Um, but that it linked perfectly into that game, which is one of the ones that was up there. To I wouldn't necessarily say it's one I'd watch forever. Back to our first question, but that that specific moment, the last ten minutes, is one of the ten minutes you'd watch forever. Um, I don't know. So that yeah. So September, Earth, Wind, and Fire for Wenger. Great. No, that's good. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. And what uh, about you, Jody? Well, Andrew and Tom, I think I've taken this in there slightly. Like the thing is, you wonderfully sum that up, Tom, in terms of Wenger's um, uh, differing emotions that he draws out of you. Um, yeah. And I didn't want to be kind of flippant about all he's achieved and all the good moments, but for me, the whole experience went on way too long. Um, and I do remember, <laughs> I do, I do remember. Um, mm some amazing times that he brought to the club and will always deserve the respect that he gets for those. But those dark years, I mean, years and years after he should have left. And for me, it was water runs dry by boys to men. Uh, don't wait for the water to run dry. And But yeah. the thing about the song is it's actually a song about a couple that have been in love and have very much, you know, uh, been important parts of each other's lives. But they're basically just going through the motions at that point and they've let the water run dry and then ultimately they've stayed in a relationship that wasn't working for too long. And I think if Wenger had left earlier, it would be easier to talk completely positively about his legacy. But unfortunately, he did stick around too long and I do think that a lot of the problems that we're still currently facing in the current squad was actually due to uh, him staying on so long Um because I think the rebuild job would have been a lot easier to perform and um, manageable due to some of the excellent coaches that were available at the time. Had Wenger gone, say, when Guardiola was available and or Klopp, and so we would have found ourselves in a much more positive and beneficial position if he had gone earlier, but he didn't, uh, alas, and unfortunately the water did run dry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, another great choice. Yeah, like I said, there's no rules about any any of these questions. It's what it, it sort of means to you. I mean, I I can't help but look back because I'm I'm significantly older than both of you, but I, you know, 47, and I started I mean, the first full match I watched from start to finish was the 1980 Cup final when we lost to West Ham one 0 and I still stayed an Arsenal fan, which is like a stupid thing to do. But, um, yeah, so I've seen some dross in my time as well as, um, you know, some great, great times as well. But when it, when he came along and, uh, yeah, we started to click and, you know, get into the, the 1998 sort of team, um, I never dreamt that I would ever see an Arsenal team playing football like that. You know, and I, I, so my main overall overriding thought, remember, Sorry, memories of uh, Arsene Wenger are, are undoubtedly positive for me, and I, uh, you know, my choice was a uh, "What a Wonderful World" by, I, you know, um, well, it's actually the Ramones, Joey Ramone version. Because I love that, it's just personal choice. I love the Joey Ramone version of that one, but they all, you know, it just remembered thinking back to what joy I saw 
you know, from the North Bank, you know, back at Highbury and so on. I never thought I'd watch football like that. You know, I've said this a few times. So apologies for people that watch this week in, week out. But I, I remember more vividly where a corner kick to our opposition was a goal-scoring opportunity for us because we were that deadly. You know, six, it's that six seconds, seven seconds, we were... We, all to be in the back of their net. It was brilliant. It was breathtaking and exhilarating. And I just want to remember, you know, that football because it's it, it was the best I've ever seen, I think. I don't think I've ever seen any team in any country or, you know, play football like that at its best. It was it was so exciting to watch, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, just trying to remember those days uh, more than anything else. And I, I appreciate but, that, that you, you no. guys are, you know, being put like... It feels harsh being critical of Wenger at times, especially now he's gone. But ultimately, I think when we remember someone's legacy, you have to look at the whole body of work and you can't yeah. just cherry... It's, you know, it, it, it's like we might often do when people die in life and you think, oh, what a great bloke, you know, and then you actually go, well, was he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, there was some bad days. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I'm just trying to be kind of... Uh, you know, a holistic yeah. approach to all of totally his work. And there's no question that he was our greatest ever manager, but there were some very dark moments, as was uh, borne out in the discussion around 8-2. I mean, who does that? Should have lost a job on the spot. <laughs> and um, in general, you know, to, to give him the credit he deserves with the highs, he has to take responsibility for the lows. This this is the good thing about this show is that everyone is different and everyone thinks about things in different ways and I wouldn't yeah be boring if we if we all thought about things the same way wouldn't it which is why it's so good and I totally understand your point of view hundred percent Johnny and there's nothing wrong with that at all so uh, yeah another good choice and um, we're moving on to a. God, you know, I don't even like calling it an era. And to be honest, if I could change the third question from the game to send to hell, I would send the era to hell. But um, the next one is a song that reminds you most about the Emery era that we went through, Tom. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'd be interested to uh, hear. Yeah, I, I'm a big Foles fan. Um, and... Mm. Their yeah. most recent album uh, had a song on it called The Runner. And I just felt that this song was kind of... Because it's it's all about... There's there's a line in it called, uh, which goes, the loneliness of the long-distance runner, which is kind of how I felt the end of the Emery era felt, is that whilst... And how, Johnny, you've kind of summed up some of maybe the, the less glamorous sides of Wenger's tenure, um, the A2 specifically, but towards the end of Unai's time has to be one of the loneliest periods for a manager ever. He's in a country where yeah. he's not fluent in the language. He's in a place where the players at this point have completely disengaged with him. And we were very split amongst the fan base with towards the Wenger's era. And there's still some people that would, well, a lot of people that would turn around and say that maybe Wenger shouldn't have ever left. But there was pretty much no one campaigning for, for Emery <laughs> to remain at the club by the time it, we did make the decision. And also the song being called The Runner is that when he came in and you watch some of his training videos, that's all he felt like he did with our players. Just run, <laughs> just run, guys. Just run for 90 minutes. And uh, that's, uh, that, that's why I've picked that song. And it just, the Emery era in general era, as you said, um, it's... Yeah, you have to put, use quote, quotation marks for that. Yeah, 
I, I kind of look back right. on it now as a bit of a necessary evil, I think, to, to get us to the point of rock bottom so that we could take a risk uh, and go for someone like Arteta, which we'll come on to in a second, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Re- re- really funny, Andrew, that Tom said that. Um, a necessary evil, because I've gone for It's Not Right, But It's Okay by Whitney Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Very much so when we talk about necessary evils. Um, That was not a right period. It it, it was so much wrong with what was going on under Emery. And the saddest thing is, well, you know, uh, we don't necessarily think about uh, when we look back at Emery, but it started off in pretty positive fashion. You know, like Emery came in and it did feel like we were starting to move in in a direction. Like towards the end of the Wenger era, one of the things that, fans have had enough and wanted to see a change on was our performance in big games like tournaments. We needed to be challenging in Europe. We're in Europa League and it made sense that their most successful, the, the competition's most success, successful manager would come in. Um, and also defensively, by the end of the Wenger era, we were absolutely all over the gas. And it, we needed someone to come in and instill some defensive <laughs> shape and structure and make us defend better. That didn't happen, okay. But um, <laughs> in general, you know, that was our at least our aim to be achieved, which we didn't achieve. But as uh, Tom laid out, um, even though by the end, and I do think that the landmark moment, and I used to have talk about this and very much watch my tongue on uh, Arsenal Nation when I was uh, doing the games, was around the end of that season, that first season for Emery. And you look back now and realise that if we had won one game out of like Brighton at home and I think, um, I can't even remember now, Crystal Palace at home, you win Mm. one of them and you're in the top four and he fielded weakened teams and then ultimately with, with a chance instead to go away to Wolves to try and get a win there and or win the Europa League and to have bottled it in both competitions Absolutely. The moment that happened, and I did, I worked the Europa League game and I was struggling to, you know, contain what I wanted to say because the reality is he, he should have been sacked on the spot. I, it, it was unforgivable and he's blown it. And ultimately, it isn't right, but it's okay because we needed to clear the deck and then come back and maybe, as you said, take a punt with a, a new manager and a new mm. vision and a, a new direction, hopefully, for the club. Yeah, that we. I I just told you how long I've been a fan <clears throat> a few minutes ago, excuse me, and I, it was the lowest I've ever felt as an Arsenal fan. The end of that season, that running, I've never felt as bad, you know. And I went through the Terry Neal years, you know. I, do you know what I mean? I went through some absolute appalling, <laughs> oh, you know, good. years. Yeah. I, I've never felt quite so. Depressed, and what the, the problem is, I made the mistake, right? Because when he came in, I and he was announced, it was a bit of a surprise to all of us, wouldn't it? He, he wasn't really being talked about by anyone, so I, I didn't know much about the guy. And I, because um, what I like to do is get not just read stories about him that are written by journalists who he's probably friends with, I actually started, I read some of the uh, you know, what, what fans were saying about him. And it, it all, I was put off right from the word go. So I I felt bad because I felt negative about him from the moment he actually got the job because of reading all these reports from the fans and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was all proven right. And the, and the weird thing is, 
from the, all of his previous clubs, including Paris Saint-Germain, where he's probably the only manager, I think, in the last decade who hasn't won the league with PSG. You know, he, he even lost the league there in the one-horse race. Uh, he did. He did win it. The he did win it the other year, though. With PSG, I know, but so. it, there was there was one season he didn't know, which is yeah, yeah, he made it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everything that he did in his at Sevilla and at PSG were exactly the same uh, as it ended up with us, and it was oh, it's horrific, you know. And that and that final, I just never. In fact, that's right up there actually for a game to send to hell. It was just. So bad, you know, so, so bad. That, that was bad. That was bad. I nearly had tears in my eyes. You can still see the footage, actually, um, on Arsenal. I don't know how you held it together. I was, I was absolutely fuming. Um, just had to wrap the questions up really quickly. I think there were people jumping in there. Halfway through my answers, just come on, let's get him out of here. They were doing the Gary yeah. Lineker with Gascoigne. Hey, keep eyes on him. Keep eyes on him. He's losing it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, I mean, right. it was it was a tough one. It was a real, real tough one. Because I, I maintain, right, that we went in at half-time and if it was a boxing match, we would be slightly ahead on points at half-time in that final. I think yeah. we, just, we just slightly edged it, maybe. And that's where a manager that's paid multi-million pounds a year, that at half-time team talk in a game like that, that's where you earn your money and that's why you paid a top dollar. Yeah. And what what happened in that half time? We will never know, maybe. But we came out and conceded what within a minute or two, didn't we? And, and just capitulated. Well, there's it, well, no it, excuse for that at all. I no think excuse. it spoke to how the players were feeling about the coach and the prospect of a future under him. Um, when you compare it to a Chelsea uh, team who were our opponents that day, who were just a ragtag band of mercenaries, you know, we. We sold them our striker in January to get another one. You know, he's coming in scoring goals against us. They had one player really who of world class quality who was there to hurt us and did end up hurting us. But you know, just the the meek, lily livered performances all over the pitch. But players that we were revering, I think that is a black mark against all of their names because anyone that pitch, it was so poor. And when you got kids coming on at the end who just think, oh, well, I'll just give it a go. And they're tearing it up. And you go, look, this, these guys aren't even, you know, this is not messy out here. It's just people like Joe Willock willing to give it a go and suddenly looking a bit yeah. dangerous. It's, it's unacceptable. Um, and no. ultimately, if you can't get your players up for a job that he must have known was going to be, you know, determine whether he stayed in the job or not. If you can't get your players up for that, it's best you leave. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that Raul... Oh my God, I'm going to bite my tongue. But he, the fact that he was going to give him a new contract after that game, I mean, what? Seriously, I mean, I, I, he just better hope I never see him in the street. That Raul, <laughs> you know, is he, a, is, he, is, he around, is he a regular around your way, Raul? And he, I mean, he's often down Hinkley High Street, yeah. yeah go, <laughs> in, Hello, Raul, mate, you're right. I see, I see him popping into Timpsons every now and then to get his souls done and his shoes. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he gets like the big platforms to make him look bigger. But uh, yeah, what an idiot! And um, and the and the Watford game at the beginning of the next season, another another massive low. I mean, that's second half of that. That's the worst I've ever seen Arsenal play in my life. Remember that game when we had thirty-two shots against us yeah, uh, against Watford when we were two 0 up at half time. Oh, Jesus Christ! Anyway, less the less said about that, the better. 
Um, we move on. And now we are uh, sort of towards the end now. We've got the Arteta era and the song that best sort of sums up what... It, it, there's, there's obviously a very small, um, you know, uh, part, you know, so far under Arteta. But, um, it, you know, it, it, so you're going to have to predict a little bit, but how your thoughts are and how things may go and how you hope they may go under Arteta, Tom. So what, what would be the song that would describe your feelings about that? Uh, now, I don't... This this song is very much from my youth-ish. Um, you know, he's not really heard of that much anymore. Uh, he doesn't really do too much. But uh, I've gone for Kickstarts, by example. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, good one. Yeah, I, I, I saw him in a, in a festival a couple of years ago in Coventry. Yeah, yeah he's he still good. He's still good. I went to see live. Um, I was one of those losers that sat in the uh, in the stands, not even like in the in the crowd. Like that's of that age, and uh, mm. it's changed very much, <laughs> very much different these days. But uh, he, yeah, the song kickstarts when it's just saying like the love kickstarts again. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of sums up how I feel about Arteta. Um, just getting that identity back, someone that I feel just in kind of encapsulated in his first press conferences exactly what I wanted the managers that took over mm. Arsene Wenger to do, to just lay things out that this isn't good enough, what's going on, this is what we're going to do. And if you're not going to get with the programme, then you can go. And that is what he's started to do with Mesut Ozil and Matteo Genduzzi, these players that have shown him up at times that have behaved inappropriately or not done enough to convince him he is making the decisions more so of Matteo Genduzzi. I think there's more to Ozil, but that's, that could, we could talk for an entire podcast about Mesut Ozil at the end of the day. Um, but there is there is just a, an element to me that thinks that give give this guy time, give him the backing, and arguably Arsenal have got one of the most exciting young coaches around. And mm. that's why it pains me so much when I see so much vitriol on social media about him already mm. at this early mm. stage because. And it's after a after a loss against Aston Villa, after he just got us our first victory at Old Trafford since 2006, and our first win against the big six sides since 2015. And I'm starting to feel that connection with the club that I haven't had in that same kind of real connective fashion since we we were winning trophies under under Arsene Wenger at the end, partly towards the end, and then it kind of tra- trailed mm, off mm. again. But yeah, it's it's just nice having that identity back at the club, having people that were were part of the club with him and Pear and Edu. Um, it's just great to have identity back, and that love is yeah, kickstarting again. Uh, Brilliant the, within the club. I think that's a great choice. Yeah, and that, that's why I like you know love watching your channel so much is because I think we we really I, I don't think I've ever come across you saying anything that I don't that I disagree with I think we've got very similar views and I I feel exactly the same way about that and um you know can you imagine a more difficult start to a managerial career than he's had you know it, absolutely unbelievable coming in at the worst right. time you know, which is the Christmas schedule for a start and then you know COVID happening and losing three months. So basically, he's not even been in charge. He, he start, His first game was Boxing Day, wasn't it, last year? Yeah. And so it's not even uh, 11 months yet. Not even 11 months. And he lost three of those months to COVID. Mm. He got COVID, crying out loud as well. He actually had it, you know. <laughs> and then he's not had a pre-season. I mean, what more he's, you ask? He's not had a pre-season. <laughs> I mean... 
that's the thing, right? And just quickly, I do apologise, Johnny, I'll come to you in a second, but that's what sets him aside from being a, a really, what, potential great coach, is the fact that what he's done with that defence that were conceding 32 shots to Watford in one half of football, or whatever, <laughs> near enough, um, what he did to those, he, he shows that he's a, he's a very, very good coach. And when you, can, when you actually put him against, and I'm, please don't say I'm, I'm comparing him to, to this guy, but when you look at Pep Guardiola, for example, who you worked under, I, I don't see someone that, that really improves players. I see someone that puts great players on a pitch and, and gets them well organised, but I don't see him improving players. And what I mean by that is, if because he's always had fairly, you know, if it's one criticism, it's, his defence is always fairly a little bit weak. Maybe and he over he overthinks, he over overthinkers. But when he's got a poor defence, he doesn't improve those defenders. He just discards them and goes out and buys another one for sixty million quid. Yeah, I think what has he spent four hundred million or something the last I read yeah. that just on the defence, just on the defence since he's been at Man City, and that doesn't tell me that he's a great coach and he can improve players. Yeah, but what Mikel Arteta's done with the same group of players that were literally heading towards the bottom three when he took over is is fantastic, and that that fills me full of confidence. And I think this, well, we had eight games in the Premier League so far, a few cup games, obviously. So maybe I don't know. Just off the top of my head, for argument's sake, say fifteen games ago, he won us the FA Cup for crying out loud. People weren't moaning about him or you know saying he was. The, you know, disputing how good he is as a, as a coach then, were they? I mean, when he was holding the FA Cup aloft. So, yeah, we, I really hope that he gets a lot of time and I hope people um, back off him a bit because um, <clears throat> he's still learning the job and he still hasn't had much time with the players on the training pitch as they really know, no, like I said, no pre-season. Right, so apologies, Johnny. I'll, uh, I'm completely rambling as I normally do on this show. Um, but, yeah, what's your choice for the Arteta? Era. Um, so, so kind of like the uh, <coughs> Wenger one, I think um, the times have changed. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a weird time, I should say, with the Arteta uh, um, era because we've suddenly come into a bit of a negative period um, where we he hit the heights of the FA Cup, but currently, right now, it does feel a little flat. That result against Villa at the weekend or a couple of weekends ago was a very, very poor result. There's no other way to. Uh, look at it. And so um, in the toss-up of thinking what song I'd do, I didn't know whether I would have a little tinge of negativity about the song choice as I did with the Wenger years um, uh, with regards to Water Runs Dry. But I, in the end, I plumped for a more po- positive outlook on the Arteta song and I've gone with Jess Glynn, Ain't Got Far To Go. Because mm. we are, mm. we are a, a work in progress and um, there are some serious questions now that Arteta is going to have to find answers for in, in short order. Because um, I know you've said there about like not having a pre-season, but actually you could argue he's had the longest pre-season in, in football history. Like, you know, no, in terms of... not, not on a training pitch, working with the players. I don't, I don't I, I appreciate, I appreciate the point that, but... that you're making. But if you think about it, with Arteta being a very analytical mind, very tactical coach and someone who likes to watch video and formulate strategies with the players, you don't even need to be in the same on the same pitch with them to be able to translate some tactical ideas. You can do that over Zoom. You can get some video. So there are, in terms of um, getting 
um, your ideas in terms of a team set up over to players, I think he's had a longer period to bed in some ideas than what we might think um, in terms of off the cuff. However, uh, and sorry, I should just say on that, the reason why that's an issue is because the biggest criticism Arteta's facing at the moment is um, we have become far more defensively solid and it is a pleasure to watch because that is what was actually, you know, killing us before as Arsenal fans watching that soft underbelly in Arsenal teams that Emery was presented and obviously has carried on for the Wenger era. Um, but for now, Arteta has to work on getting some attacking coherency because if you think about it, of course, our cup final was a real high point and it was a real badge of honour for his career. But we haven't played good football for a while now. Let's be honest about it. You know, how many games under mm. Arteta have you looked at it and gone, yeah, we, we were dynamite? And, you know, it has not been a year. Um, but ultimately, when you're talking about nearly a year, I'd like to now start seeing more in terms of attacking coherency so we can go and set about maybe the smaller teams and actually feel confident that we're going to have enough to break them down. I don't think that's too much to ask at this stage to at least see more progression in that front alone. Um, but that being said, I don't actually think it's too far to go because I do think we have a lot of the players to get that done. And I just think that Arteta needs to relieve the almost mental handbrake that he has as well because he had so much work to do mm. to get us defensively sound that at some point, when you sign, sign in world-class players like Party, trust some of these players to actually um, be robust enough to, you know, uh, buffet away the attacks of the other teams and then let our attacking players have the freedom and creativity to go and destroy teams. Because I do think the talent yeah. is mostly there. We might need an odd, you know, addition. But um, Arteta does need to get us improved uh, from an attacking point of view. I totally, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've been saying uh, the same since that, uh, you know, a couple of games ago myself. But I think it's happened at the best time, you know, that that defeat. Sometimes you've got to take your hat off to the opposition as well, because I think Villa were absolutely outstanding on the day. Hit us from the first minute. Uh, that goal was, well, you know, we, I think if the stupid offside law um, helped us out that day, but I think it, anyone knows that he wouldn't have saved that in a million years. Um, brilliant goal. And from the first moment, they played the game perfectly and, uh, and they just knocked the stuffing out of us and we never recovered. And it was a very poor performance, but you've got to give a lot of, awful lot of credit to Villa on the day. But um, I think it happened at a great time with the, the two-week international break because he would have been stewing on that. I think it's. I think he's got an elite mentality, Arteta, uh, and I think it would have really hurt him that defeat. And I think he, it, you know, he would have been. He's going to be absolutely determined, you know, to put things right. So hopefully, this these two weeks have been uh, a good time for him to to get that sorted. Yeah. Uh, but with regards to that three months, you know, when he said that he had the longest preseason ever. Well, when they did come back, he he went on. We did go on and win the FA Cup. So that's not too bad an achievement, really, after the oh, absolutely. That break. But absolutely, I, uh, but you'd also I, I do agree with what you're saying. Absolutely, from an attacking yeah, point the, of view, like we we look toothless, and it's not one-off games. It's it's every game now. Even our wins, we're like nicking goals and hanging on. And you know, I'd like to see we should have progressed more than we've gone backwards from an attacking point of view, no question. 
as much as we've yeah, improved yeah. defensively. And so he does need to start focusing on that now and we need to see more yeah. results. I totally agree. Uh, I don't think anyone can disagree with that um, at all. Um, we're going to have to sort of speed things up because I know that, um, uh, you know, we've got to time schedule to keep. So the next one is a film, which is, I think this is the hardest question of all, personally, uh, but it's a film that would encapsulate your Arsenal supporting life. Tom, what would you sort of come up with for that? That encapsulates all oh. your feelings about being an Arsenal fan. It's a this tough one, I don't know. So cheesy. <laughs> this is so cheesy. Um, I've gone for Avengers Endgame as my choice okay. of film. Um, because uh, for me, Arsenal, it's not necessarily about the football. Um, it's not necessarily what happens on the pitch. It's Arsenal en encapsulates everything for me in terms of like a massive social side of things. It's Arsenal for me is about meeting people. Arsenal for me is about meeting new people like yourself, Andrew, which is the first time I've spoken to you face to face today, which is great. And yourself, Johnny, too. And like Arsenal for me is always about extending that family that I've built up through the channel, the Guna Talk, and meeting fellow podcasters, uh, meeting former players, just that whole point of everyone coming together for a good cause right at the end uh, of the film. And uh, that's that's always... And when starting out podcasting years ago on Burkamp Wonderland and then growing through people knowing through there and then going to do the Guna Talk and just gradually knowing people who went on Arsenal Fan TV and no matter what you think of the, the, the platform, like even, not even I'm the biggest fan of it, but some of the people on there are really nice guys, like Lee Judges, for instance, and... Like just meeting people and and everyone coming together to go for a pint before and after a game is just the best thing about it. Like Arsenal can lose and I can deal with that because and it's easier when I go to the games to deal with because I know I'm going to the pub afterwards to see a lot of people that I really enjoy the time with. So Arsenal for me goes well beyond just what happens in those ninety minutes and it is about experiencing it. And part of the reason why I do the channel as well is that for the, the thousands of people that watch is that they come and they interact on a level in a level-headed way. Um, mm. and, and especially like Andrew yourself, who, who's become a member of the channel as well, like the member group is is great. And all of them yeah. guys are, are so good and their knowledge is great and just experiencing the other opinions. Because if there's one thing you get guaranteed with Arsenal, it's a, a wealth of different opinions. So uh, yeah, it's all mm. about community for me with Arsenal and uh, and that kind of sums it so, up. So if it's the Avengers, which one are you? Brilliant. Oh, that's a good <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. No, I, 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 I did nearly shed a tear when the old Tony Stark died. So uh, I suppose <laughs> I connect. Yeah, I know. I know. So yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, yeah, probably Mr. Iron Man. Iron Man, fair enough. He's and you have yeah. to have iron skin to be on social media with us. So, yeah. so, uh, Very true. Very and you've true. got loads of this... money as well, yeah? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, I'll change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tom, I know you've got to go very, very shortly to go and, uh, you know, go to an appointment. Life so <laughs> just give us a, a quick, two quick things, right? The one is your luxury item. And two... Just answer a question that we've had in the chat from Miss Molina, who says, do you think that we can use Coutinho on loan in the upcoming transfer window? 
I don't think Ronald Koeman has any interest in letting Coutinho go now uh, at all. I think that he, I think Coutinho could have gone um, and before he had that amazing sort of end of his stint to his loan at Bayern Munich and then Koeman kind of realised, oh, hey, I can use this guy. Um, mm. and I don't think he has any intention. He's been injured for a few weeks as well. So Coutinho mm. isn't isn't going to be going anywhere. If I mean, if you're looking at anyone for a loan, we were talking about on the show earlier, Christian Eriksen is a really interesting guy to look at um, as a loan. I wouldn't go for a person a, a permanent deal. Um, no, but no. if we're not if we haven't got the money to spend in January, which is as far as I'm aware, Arsenal are going to be a bit cash strapped this January up until players like Ozil, Mustafi, and Socrates and Louise, all their contracts come to an end in the summer, where Arsenal's purse strings can loosen a little bit. Um, I'd look at that as a possible loan deal to add some creativity to the team. I don't think it's realistic in terms of a social level because I don't think Ericsson would do that. Um, but Coutinho, no chance. And then you say luxury item that I would take. To yeah, they, what, what, if you if you could take a luxury, because this is what they have on on uh, the other show that um, obviously is nowhere near as good as this one. But it's they yeah. ask, they say you can have a luxury item with you on the desert island. Doesn't have to be Arsenal related. It could be anything. I was going to say it'd have to be on my laptops. Bear in mind, you haven't got power, so, <laughs> so you, you can't take a phone or a computer or anything because you ain't no going to have electricity. Okay. Oh, that's really tough. Um, I definitely should have prepared for that one. Um, I'm pretty sure I Iron Man has his own unique power source uh, that he can just you know, <laughs> run your laptop. You can tap into that. Exactly. Surely. Off the little bulb in the middle of your chest, just run it off that. <laughs> Universal yeah. adapter. Solar-powered suit. What a superhero. What a superhero. He's got a bulb in his chest. That's, that's what we go for. Um, I, but, uh, you, uh, you haven't got to answer that. If you, you haven't got to answer that, Tom. If you don't want to, no, it's, I know it's, uh, it's not. I don't want to. It's just it's such a difficult question. I just I, I think no, no. that um, I, I'd go for something really stupid like a pinball machine just to keep me like entertained and just because. I need that self-competition. So it'd have to be a pinball machine that didn't have any power, of course, but somehow kept the yeah, yeah. up just so I could continue to try and outscore myself because I'm so competitive. And if I'm there alone, I still need some form of competition. So probably good something idea. like that. Yeah. And, and there's actually... That's a good answer. Think of, there's also, you find those footballs that you get in like the elastic string that goes with them. So you can just do keepy uppies and, <laughs> and stuff like that. One of those would be quite yeah. good. So yeah, that's something that's a good idea. that keeps me entertained would be what it would be. A yeah. hacky sack. <laughs> remember, do you remember those hacky sacks? Oh, you, you probably I mean, too young. I barely remember <laughs> what I have for breakfast. You're too young so. for a hacky sack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, no uh, anyway, Tom, I um, really appreciate it. I know you've got to run. No so problem, mate. Thank you, ever, thank you ever so much for coming on. I really, really no appreciate problem. it. I hope it won't be the last time. And um, yeah, I think you've had some brilliant choices today. So thank you ever so much. Nice no, one, Tom. Cheers, cheers, guys. Honestly, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I really appreciate your help on the uh, on the channel and, and subscribing and everything. So appreciate that. And joining, absolute pleasure to to meet you and speak to you. So yeah, top stuff. Yeah, hopefully do it again soon. Thank you for sure. Take care. See you later, boys. Have a good one. Right. Thank you, Johnny. Have you got uh, just a few couple more minutes then to for your last couple of answers? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mine just, um, in terms of film would be um, a trilogy, Lord of the Rings. Uh, and right. yeah. encapsulated a little bit by Gollum in terms of he has this ring and this ring that he has is both the fuel to his life. It's what drives him um, and obviously gives him so much pleasure, so much so that he calls it his precious. 
and football is precious for those moments that it gives us. But in a uh, catch-22 situation, when it comes to his pressures, it also has a negative effect of um, kind of damaging his overall uh, outlook and mm. appearance um, to the world <laughs> because uh, yeah. he can't help control himself. The, 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 mm. the lust for the pleasure that his pressures brings him actually can cause some great mm. harm and he can no longer even see it anymore. Now, I don't want to... <laughs> this isn't a cry for help, but I think no. what we've talked about is... Um, <laughs> Is some of the highs and lows that football can give you, and that's it. It's, and there are moments where it feels very precious, and there's other moments where we've all been given um, experiences that we'd just like to forget, quite frankly. And even you know, yeah. even that moment where you have to stop taking football so seriously because it affects your mood. I, I think I know I'm, I've been there, and I know a lot of people have. Yeah, because yeah. It, it can get it can get pretty horrible in terms of when you feel that invested in it to just have your dreams crossed. And you've got to remember that it's, you know, sport at the end of the day and you take the rough with the smooth. But, um, yeah, I think to kind of in, uh, surmise that um, gift and the curse kind of element I, of football, I think my precious, the precious for Gollum is probably that. I, I, do you know what? I think, uh, I don't know how many of these shows I've done. Um I don't know. I'd have to look back through the back catalogue of Meta Island Discs, but I think that's probably one of my favourite answers. I think that's brilliant. Really, really good answer. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, I can't even add anything to that. It's just a really good choice. Excellent. And um, did you see this little thing at the end when I sent over the questions about the luxury item? Or has that come as a surprise to you as well? Yeah, surprise hey. to me, but I could oh, okay. do it anyway. Um, if we're going to do an Arsenal one, um, what would what do I? What it doesn't have to be Arsenal. It'd be anything. It'd be anything. Uh, well, I mean, the obvious answer would be a football then, uh, for similar reasons to Tom Four, but in terms of entertaining myself uh, and it being football, which is my greatest hobby, you know, um, mm. the uh, lack of power on this island to not power my Xbox means that uh, my choices are narrowed. Um, but yeah, I would think that. Um, yeah, I think of football because it would be one of those items that could give you something new every day, as opposed to yeah. a book. It's going to be the same words every day. A football, you can do different things yeah. with it, more dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Yeah, well, you can also put a bloody face on the front of it as well and call it Wilson. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> then you got mate. You got perfect. mate. Yeah, the problem Absolutely is you can't, perfect. you can't, you and Wilson can't play football together because Wilson is the ball. So it's a exactly, shame. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, I, uh, if, for those that are make, uh, got some comments in the uh, comment section, I'm just going to go through those in a short while, if you bear with me for one second. But uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to say a massive thank you to Johnny and uh, what a great show it's been. I hope you've enjoyed yourself and um, hope that you may, you know, you hope it won't be the last time you come on again as well. Uh, I just want to thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. No, it's been, it's been great. It's nice to talk to some... Uh, fellow Gooners, and uh, yeah, true to fact, um, yeah. there's a lot to be looking forward to as an Arsenal fan at the moment, and uh, yeah, the more conversation we have about, around Arsenal is always a good thing, so thank you, Andrew. 
No problem. Well, yeah, I hope to keep in touch with you and uh, as I say, maybe see you again in the future. But thanks ever so much for your time, Johnny. Do Sounds appreciate good. it. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching. I hope you enjoyed that uh, show. I, I really did. And, um, yeah, some really good choices. I uh, I know that they were party, and I know that they had some things that they had to go and run off to. So I think we never so much for the time. Now, uh, just a quick uh, go through these really good comments we've had coming in from everyone. Thank you so much. Russ said, do you think we had Sesk and Nasri are Shabin and Rasitsky at the club at the same time? So much talent. And it's just, just think about it now. It's just mad that we are that style of player to having none virtually uh, at the moment. So it's just a crazy situation. And Rusty also said that if we had 11 men on the pitch for the entire match uh, of the Champions League final, there's no doubt in my mind we would have won that Champions League final. I, I totally agree. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's much argument with that, to be honest with you. Uh, um, I, I really do as well. And I think the fact that Henri missed that last uh, chance there where he was clean through, because he was knackered, I genuinely think, and I think he said afterwards in interviews that he was absolutely knackered, could barely run, and that was because of the extra running he had to do because of the, the, the player he had, uh, we had sent off, uh, man down, and all the extra running that the team had to do as a result. Uh, Arteta was too pragmatic. It would be nice to be at home and approach games on the front foot. See, this is what I've been talking about for, for as long as I can remember as well. That I just wish we didn't what I see as an inferiority complex coming up against other teams that was the biggest the biggest reason I really disliked the Emory era as well as we were entering all games uh, with that kind of inferiority complex whereby instead of forcing our style onto the opposition like we did under Prime Bender just we should always pay the opposition respect, clearly, but not too much. You know, we've got to say to ourselves, we should be beating these teams um, and be more confident and more assertive. That's what, that was Arsenal for the last couple of decades previously, and uh, um, it's just seems to have disappeared. So, yeah, I totally agree. I want us to not... Not be completely and utterly no, but just let the players express themselves more on the pitch and um, really take our game to them. And yeah, just really attack, be, you know, be more inventive with the attacking as well. And I don't want Arteta to stand too much on the sidelines telling him exactly which pass to make every single opportunity. I want him just go and sit down a little while, Mikel. Just go and take the weight off your feet and let the players get on with it. That's what I want as well. Uh, um, great panel on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. I think you, hope you, you've enjoyed it, I'm sure, as much as I have. Um, oh, Iron Man, you have to be bulletproof on Twitter. That's a very, very good point. You, you really do. You have to have a very thick bulletproof skin. And Shabozlai, I think is how you pronounce it. I would love to get that guy um, in January. Do you know what? I'm a goddess sneaky suspicion we might. I really have. I'm probably going to end up being wrong, may get egg on my face, but I think we might go for someone like that 
in January because he, he, the more and more he plays this, this season, the better he gets. The goals he scored for Hungary recently, reminiscent of Thierry Henry, you know, the Spurs goal, uh, <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. It was, um, he, his price is only going to go up and up. Oh, sorry, he's got this release clause, of course, but sorry, his suitors are only going to get go up and up. The clubs that are going to be after him. And uh, I don't think we should wait until summer. I think if we get for him, January's got to be the time where we just trigger his release and try and steal a march on, you know, the competition for his signature, personally. So there you go. So thank you for everyone watching. Uh, um, tomorrow, we've got our normal, regular show, uh, 8 o'clock, with some really good guests. Unfortunately, Chappers can't make it tomorrow. He's got some uh, family commitments, but I've got some really good guests on with me tomorrow. So please tune in, eight o'clock as normal, uh, for some waffle. And uh, then next Wednesday, a week tomorrow, there's uh, a big guest joining me, a big announcement uh, coming. I'll tell you tomorrow if you watch. So stay tuned to get um to get that information but thank you ever so much again for everyone please give us a like before you depart to youtube please tell your friends about us as well to get our uh, subscribers up get the show content out there a bit more and uh yeah thank you ever so much for all of your help support and uh, for watching and for those that are listening to the podcast thank you very much as well so take care until tomorrow Bye-bye. Alex Song. Oh, through for Henri. What a moment! It just had to be Thierry Henri. The script was written, and he delivered his lines to perfection. What a finish that was.